Welcome to the Pelvic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Forner, a physiotherapist working in pelvic health, as well as a new student researcher on the fun, long road to a PhD, where we will be looking at pelvic floor problems and exercise. I'm here to bring you information from leading professionals on all aspects surrounding pelvic health for any gender and any age, from the vast range of pelvic floor problems to exercise and sport. Remember our disclaimer, materials and content in this podcast are intended as general information only and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome back, everyone. If you are new to listening to the podcast, thank you for joining us. We are going to talk all about CrossFit in pregnancy today. Candice Lamb is a physiotherapist up in the Sunshine Coast here in Australia, working in continence and women's health in private practice, as well as a CrossFit coach. And she put wannabe CrossFit athlete, but she is actually a pretty amazing athlete. She is a coach and athlete at CrossFit Contessa, an all-female CrossFit gym on the Sunshine Coast. She's incredibly passionate about the effect that exercise, in particular CrossFit, has on women both physically and mentally throughout their life stages. She loves educating fellow health professionals about the sport of fitness to help them empower their patients to continue exercising, modified as needed, of course, which is what we're talking about today, through whatever life throws at them, be it injury, pelvic floor dysfunction, or pregnancy. I admit this episode may seem biased because there's two of us who enjoy participating in CrossFit. However, we wanted to make sure that those who are unfamiliar with CrossFit, specifically those working with clients or patients who may be participating in CrossFit and they are pregnant, that it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to advise them to stop CrossFit, that there are modifications that can take place Um, specifically um, points that you can consider through each of the trimesters. And I've created a little infographic to summarize some of the stuff that we've talked about. So have a look for that on social media. Usually I will post that on my Instagram account, which is at pelvicwod, so pelvic and then W-O-D. We also wanted to highlight that those who are participating in CrossFit, or if you have patients that are participating in CrossFit, that there are some considerations that you do need to take with regards to the pelvic floor muscles, the pelvic organ support, as well as the abdominal canister. So specifically, the um, separation of the abdominal muscles. So I hope that everybody gets something out of this episode. If you want to contact me, you can email me at laurieforner at gmail.com. Please consider subscribing and rating the podcast. It allows more people to find it. And don't forget that there will be um, show notes that will have some links within that, specifically the CrossFit.com scaling options that they have for some of the exercises that we're talking about because it was extremely well done. All right. Enjoy, everyone. Thank you for giving me your time and coming to hang out with me on the Pelvic Health Podcast and discuss all things CrossFit and pregnancy. So you have been, um, you are a physio working in pelvic floor as well as musculoskeletal? Uh, no, just pelvic floor now. Just pelvic floor. Did you do musk before? 
I did, yeah. So I did, yeah. um, I've worked in private practice since I graduated and have slowly been transitioning away from musk and I'm pretty much full-time pelvic floor load Just now. Pelvic floor. Um, and yeah. you have been a CrossFit athlete as well as a coach and you work in a pretty special CrossFit gym, mm-hmm. which they call boxes, but I still feel like I can't call it a CrossFit box. I don't know why. <laughs> it doesn't sit comfortable with me, maybe because... <laughs> You know, maybe because the job I do, that's why I still have difficulty with talking about snatches. Um, But uh, it's an all women's CrossFit gym. It is. So again, which is so cool. And I was at first I was like, oh, do I really want to work in an all female gym? I'm sure it's super clicky. And um, but honestly, it's it's the greatest place on earth. And I get to work with women in the clinic and then I get to go to the gym and work with women. So I'm. I can't even speak to males anymore. I don't even know what to say to them. I'm just around ladies all the time, which I absolutely love. So you see a lot of women who are pregnant who want to continue CrossFit. Yes. Do yeah, you being, do you see yeah. women who are pregnant who come in while they're pregnant but have never done CrossFit? Not so much. I think that I think that people um, are generally quite scared of CrossFit and then being pregnant people generally don't exercise and I think it would be the least likely time for them to start something new and definitely the least likely time for them to start CrossFit. So I wish more did, but no. Yeah, But that is why I thought we would center the conversation around CrossFit and pregnancy, but more specifically women who are probably involved in CrossFit first become pregnant and they want to continue doing it or it's their second, third, fourth pregnancy. And again, Mm -hmm. they may have been doing CrossFit for a little while. So from a general pregnancy exercise point of view we know that crossfit is high intensity functional training um, that involves weights and load and skipping and impact Mm -hmm. Um, so pelvic floor aside just pregnancy and crossfit is it safe to do absolutely i think just like any kind of exercise if you've got good people leading you and good people coaching you who know what they're doing then it's 100 percent safe as long as the pregnancy is not complicated, of course. Um, but yes, definitely. Yeah. So then if we bring pelvic floor into it, is it, you know, we, which we're going to discuss some of the changes that happens during pregnancy and specific exercises. Um, but I know people who aren't familiar with CrossFit, so whether or not they're any kind of professional, they're not really sure they may have heard of it or they've watched Netflix and watched some of the fittest on earth or the athletes and they see all the stuff that they're doing and think, oh my mm-hmm. God, a pregnant person should never, ever do that um, because of the effects on the pelvic floor. Is it is what, what is it bad for pelvic floor? Should we be concerned? I think uh, the thing about CrossFit, which which is why I fell in love with it, is it's universally scalable. So I can do the same workout as my grandma. We might be doing different movements or variations of those movements, but working at our own relative intensities and still getting the same result at the end of the day. So I think absolutely there's movements in there that I wouldn't have a pregnant lady doing. Um but we can always scale that and make it something that she can do. She's still going to get fit. She's still going to get sweaty. She's still going to build her strength, but maybe it will just look a little bit different to the person next to her who's not pregnant, which is why I love it. We can make it work for everyone. Yeah, and so 
even though I've mentioned pelvic floor um, mm. as physios and kind of women's health concerns during pregnancy, abdominal separation in exercise mm-hmm. tends to come up a lot as well. So is that similar with the pelvic floor that there's modifications that you can do? Because yes, there are some exercises that may be, um, you know, too much straining on the abdominal wall and we yeah. need, they can continue doing it and we don't need to feel like we're putting them at risk. Absolutely. And I think that comes down to the coaches and them knowing what to look out for and knowing when they need to be modifying things. So yes, we can change everything and we do. So on that, so when you take your level one, there's really no information in there about pregnancy and modifications, right? So there may be a very like you're at a position that you have so much knowledge that you can bring in with it. So what about mm-hmm. all the coaches and not to like bag male coaches, but there's going to be an awful lot of male coaches as well as some female that um, don't know anything about pregnancy and postpartum. So how are, it, it is so coach dependent. So how it do is. we, how do we make sure that, you know, people who are doing it during pregnancy are going to be safe and okay? So, uh, yeah, I I totally agree. I think um, this is where us as pelvic health physios need to get out and spread the word. Um, I think it's super important for us to be getting into boxes or CrossFit gyms, whatever you want to call them, to talk to the trainers. Sorry, that's my dog. um, To talk to the trainers and make sure that they understand all of this stuff because they don't get taught it. And unless they've come across it before, they just, they really don't know. Um, CrossFit, it's HQ itself. And I'll put these in the show notes for you actually have a really, really good scaling guide. I don't know if you've seen that. I have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. I really like it. Um, and so I think that's a really good place to start for coaches and personal trainers who just feel like they're really lost and stuck with this. So CrossFit headquarters has that information, but they don't put it into their levels. No. And so I guess when you're uh, level, when you're going for your level three, um, that is like a combination of all of the information they've got out there. So potentially that's when coaches would be coming across it. Okay. But yeah, you have to get to that level to do that. So I really don't know how many general coaches would. And look, I guess it's like physio in general or any profession um, that you know, you may be seeing somebody for pelvic floor issues or diastasis who has been doing CrossFit or did CrossFit in the past and may talk to you about things that they did that you possibly don't agree with. Mm -hmm. Um, But they may have seen a coach who really doesn't have that background knowledge and information, just like, you know, somebody could go see a physio and they don't get that same treatment because they don't have that same background. Mm -hmm. Um, So coaches... Um, having this knowledge is important. Not all of them are going to have it. So if women are doing it, they need to, I think they need to make sure that they see a physio who has the knowledge about both, again, women's health care during pregnancy, um, but also CrossFit. And then, so if we switch that around, that's really hard sometimes to find is the physios who also have the CrossFit knowledge. Absolutely. Um, Because it is a whole other language. And, you know, look, I, it's been called a cult and sometimes I agree. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so yeah, it's a, it's another language. So if, if you're like, what would you say to other health professionals who may be seeing pregnant clients before going into the, some of the exercises we talk about today, mm. if they have somebody, because I find that their automatic reaction is to tell them not to do it. Absolutely. Um, and I think from experience, if you tell them not to do it, they're just not going to come back and they're going to continue doing it anyway. So I think you need to try and educate yourself as best as possible. 
CrossFit HQ and CrossFit Journal have so much good information online. Um, and like you said, it is a whole nother language and a whole nother world. But I think if you're a health professional seeing a lot of CrossFitters, go and do your level one. It is honestly the best course. I've done a lot of courses as a physio, but it's the best course I've ever done, hands down. I learned so much more from that than I have from a physio course. And they just teach movement so much better than we do as physios. So if you're seeing a lot of those patients and you want to continue seeing them, I would absolutely recommend doing your level one. Yeah. And look, I think as CrossFit grows, which it has been growing, people are are seeing more of these patients um, and are going to continue to see more of these patients. And like you said, telling them um, not to do it is not often an option because it's kind of like, um, you know, it's... I don't know. It's it's hard sometimes to get people to be physically active. And when you find yeah. something that you really enjoy that keeps you mentally and physically healthy, if you ask them not to, they may not like swimming or doing Pilates or yoga, exactly. which then means if they're fearful towards an activity, they may do absolutely nothing. And then the health ramifications for that down the track are, you know, yes. are worse, really. And it becomes such a huge part of yourself as well. Um, and this is where the cult thing comes in, I think. But mm. unless you've been into a CrossFit gym, it's hard to understand. But it becomes your family and mm. you're going in there and seeing the same people every day and you're suffering next to the same people every day. And if that gets taken away from you, that's a huge part of your life that's gone mm. now. Yeah. And I just don't think it's a good enough um, a good enough answer to tell someone to stop doing something. We need to do better and we need to have better yeah. answers for them. One part that I have learned over the last kind of three or four years um, of doing CrossFit is the the mental toughness, which I think some people perceive as you're going to keep pushing through pain and dysfunction and problems. And that's where, again, they go, okay, it's bad for pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. But I have always been that person who backs down when something is physically hard. Like I love to sandbag. I love to give up. Um, (laughs) <laughs> and so this has taught me a lot, A, about myself, but yeah. that even though I feel like sometimes I'm going to die, um, and that is, you know, I didn't, that's not how it was the first three months to the first year that I tried it. I scaled everything. It was a really good workout, but I'm slowly learning to kind of push my boundaries, mm-hmm. but knowing that, yeah, it's that kind of like push to, okay, I feel like I don't have anything left in me or I'm going to hurt, not going to hurt myself, but just getting fearful and I found it's been a really good um, environment and exercise to test my limits and realize that I'm way stronger than I thought I was mentally yeah Um, and I thought now because I didn't do CrossFit before my pregnancies I found it kind of afterwards plus I had to have two Caesars so different story for another time Um, but I always think about that aspect and when women have to go through labor like surely that has to be helpful, right? I have also not had um, any babies, so I I don't know personally, but it makes sense that you, you are you're absolutely pushing your limits every, every day and I don't see how that wouldn't help you with labor. It makes you so mentally tough. And like you said, it's not about doing stupid things. You're not, um, you know, bleeding all over the floor and still continuing to work out. But it does, it makes you realize that you're way stronger than you were before, way stronger than you realize, and that you can push push to places you didn't think you could. So I think that that would absolutely be helpful during delivery. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so if we look at some of the, if we go through maybe through the trimesters and mm-hmm. talk about maybe some of the modifications that people need to take into account and consider. Um, so if we start with intensity, so with the first trimester, is there anything specific that women find or that you find you need to change with regards to how hard they're pushing themselves? Yes, I find uh, in the first trimester fatigue is often the limiting factor for a lot of ladies and that in itself is kind of self-limiting, I find. Unless they are an elite level athlete, then I think it would be a different story. But for general population, I find that the fatigue is self-limiting for them. I think one thing we need to consider in the first trimester is the heat. Uh, And particularly if we think about CrossFit gyms, they're often in big sheds in industrial areas. They're hot. It gets really hot and particularly Mm -hmm. here in Queensland. So I think that that's something that we need to definitely keep an eye on in that first trimester. Yeah, I'm surprised that sometimes people can make it to the gym in their first trimester. I just wanted to sit and eat Jats crackers no. for ever. And I don't even like crackers, but that's all I could all I could keep down. Um, what about like if they're doing exercises with weight? So if mm-hmm. we think about the load in the first trimester, is there anything specifically they need to change with regards to load? Again, I feel like their fatigue level is self-limiting for most of them. Um, And I think we use the talk test quite a lot, Mm. and that's usually our guideline. So if they can still hold a conversation, a breathy conversation, um, Mm. we're pretty happy with their level of intensity. And I think if we go back to those CrossFit uh, pregnancy guidelines, they recommend for weightlifting in particular, not ever going more than, I think it's 70% of your 1RM. And I think pregnancy is a time that we want you to keep training. We want you to stay strong, but you don't need to be trying to set PBs. It's not, it's not sensible and not worth it. I don't think so. Um, I just really try and educate the ladies about that. Yeah. Keep moving, keep them strong, but you don't need to be setting any world records. Changing priorities and focus so that, you know, um, your body is going to change. So the goal now like you said is not to get heavier and better it's maintenance but also not completely giving up but as you said first like self-limiting you just you need to move (laughs) so you do what you can um uh what about things like burpees abdominal (laughs) work do you need to make any changes in the first trimester I ask the lady with what they're comfortable with, uh, and if they are uncomfortable, then I could we modify burpees to a box um, yeah. so that they're not laying flat on their tummy if that's something that they're not happy to do. And abdominal work is one thing I think in the first trimester, okay, uh, but it's one thing where I'm I battle with myself with this mm. quite a lot. I'm like, is it? What are we achieving by doing this? Are we? Are we making any gains anywhere? Do we need to be doing this? So I guess you can, but should you? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I often will change sit-ups quite early and having this conversation with the athlete as well to something like hanging knee raises initially. Yeah. And then once that becomes uncomfortable or if they start doming, I take them out altogether. Yeah. And so is your concern for pelvic floor, or is it more for kind of abdominal distension and separation? Yeah, both of the above. And particularly yeah. if I haven't assessed them um, as a patient, I don't I don't know what's going on with their pelvic floor. So yeah. um, just kind of making guesses as to as to what they're experiencing and what they're feeling. So again, I always just I have this battle with myself all the time, but I always think risk versus reward, is it worth it? 
Yeah. And thinking too, like first trimester is generally up to what, 12 to 14 weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And often people don't even know that they're pregnant until, you know, maybe anywhere from four to eight weeks. So they're going to be, you know, sometimes, you know, they may be drinking by accident, um, but they'll be doing activities that just feels normal and okay for Mm -hmm. them. And then they Mm -hmm. find out they're pregnant and sometimes they'll come in and go, okay, what do I need to modify or stop right now? I'm like, it's it's usually a gradual transition and change and not, yeah. okay, at 12 weeks, you need to okay. do this and stop doing this. And now at 14 weeks, do this and stop doing this. And everybody's different and we always kind of take people um, on an individual basis. Um, but again, there's still kind of other things to, to consider. So any anything else specifically during the first trimester that you focus on or that you talk to your women about? I think that's probably it. And like I said before, mm. I just we've got about five pregnant ladies at the moment and fatigue for them is the biggest thing. So I just find that quite good for us as coaches because it holds them back to, to like a reasonable level of activity and of intensity as well, which is great. Yeah. And do you, do they, do you encourage people to come a certain number of times during the week? Especially when they're for first trimester. Yeah. Mm. Just with whatever they can, whatever they manage. And even if they're not feeling great and they still want, and again, it's about that community. They still want to be around everyone. We will um, sit them on a bike or sit them on a roller and give them something different to do. That's really low intensity, but they can still be there amongst amongst their friends, which I think is really important when you're not feeling great anyway. So kind of like an active recovery. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And even just doing stretching or I think what yeah. a lot of people don't um, realize, and I guess it's really dependent on what gym that you're at, is that, um, you know, there's accessory work and other warm up activities like, you know, glute bridges and a lot yeah. of physio <laughs> rehab exercises that we would give as physios that actually form kind of part of programs and training as well. Do you um, do you do that as well? Yes, definitely. So, if, for example, I've got someone at the moment who's got quite um, bad pelvic girdle pain. And so often in the warm-up, she has her own um, little workout that she does, which is just full of rehab exercises for that. So, absolutely, we just we just modify based on the individual. Yeah. So, if we kind of start going into second trimester, so again, mm-hmm. after that kind of initial 12 to 14 weeks, um, Depending on the person, like sometimes people's bodies really don't change shape Mm -hmm. a lot until Mm -hmm. like end of second trimester, unless they've had a child before and things have been stretched. So they tend to like pop (laughs) earlier. Uh, Yeah. So then as soon as that body kind of starts changing some point in the second trimester, what things do you need to consider and modify for them? So again, going back to the abdominal work, this is where I think this is probably a little bit more relevant looking at whether we do need to be scaling that. And I often do, even if they're not symptomatic at this point, again, risk versus reward. Sorry, my dog's jumping on me. Um, And then looking at things like pelvic girdle pain, that's a little bit more prevalent potentially in the second trimester when things are starting to grow and pop, like you said, and taking out things like lunges and any single leg work that might be irritating them. Yeah. Sorry, uh, do you take them out if they're not irritated? No, only if okay. they're irritated, yep. Um, right. Or just even uh, reducing the range or reducing yeah. the load that we're using with those movements. Yeah. And then I think the pelvic floor considerations are probably a bit more prevalent in this trimester as well. And 
looking at running and skipping and box jumps? Do we need to be doing those? Are there ways that we can modify that for the for yeah. the athlete? So how would you modify skipping for somebody who's pregnant and they might uh-huh. start to feel kind of heaviness during skipping or they might feel like they're about to leak urine, but they don't leak, but they feel that sensation like it's about to happen. What are some good ways that you get them to change that up? I obviously would change them from double unders to single unders. If a lot of them will have uh, like a limit, like they can do 50 and they're fine, but if they do 75, they're not fine. So I'll have that chat with them. Do we just work in that reduced rep range or do we get rid of the exercise altogether? And most of them are more than happy to get rid of it altogether just because they don't feel great doing it. And I think that that's fine. Yeah. And then with, again, things like burpees, the modification Mm -hmm. that you said, maybe first trimester you bring into the second trimester where they're not lying down on the floor. Um, They may or may not do the jumping part. And then when they push out into that push up position, you'll have them on a box. Yeah, absolutely. Just stepping in, stepping out, um, dropping to their knees if they need to. There's so many ways that we can change those movements. They're still really hard. They're still going to get sweaty, but we're not putting anything else at risk. Yeah. I remember there was a time with regards to pelvic girdle pain that Mm -hmm. it was a no-no, even if people were asymptomatic, for the Mm -hmm. fear of causing pelvic girdle pain, so pain in the pubic symphysis or the sacroiliac joints, because of the instability, in quotation marks, that Mm -hmm. I'm using right now, um, (laughs) that happens with pregnancy, which we now know um, is varied. And if you haven't listened to Peter O'Sullivan's podcast on pelvic girdle pain, go back and listen to that one. Um, But so then we would never get women to do anything where they would step out to the side or do any lunges or where one Uh leg was doing something different than the Uh other in case we then caused pelvic girdle pain which from a functional perspective you go okay how do you do stairs how do you get out of your car and that's my argument with this type of training as well the women they need to be doing these movements they've if particularly if it's their second they've got a, a toddler at home that they're looking after potentially they need to be able to get off the floor they need to be able to lunge they need to be able to deadlift and squat I just think it's so important Yeah. And do you change anything with regards to barbell? So once the tummy starts to change, so Mm -hmm. when we talk about, so I'm kind of referencing the path of the barbell. And if people aren't familiar with um, the Olympic or I guess not powerlifting, but more of the Olympic lifts, like is it the the clean and the snatch? I still get everything mixed up. Essentially where (laughs) you're trying to pull, what's that? How many years have you been doing this for? <laughs> oh, do you know how long it took it took me to work out the difference between power clean, squat clean, hang power clean? Like I still have to sit for half a second and think <laughs> about it because I just like showing up and I just look around and do what they tell me to do. Yeah. Like I try not to think ever. <laughs> um, but so having a barbell kind of, you know, lengthwise across your legs that you have to lift up and it's meant to kind of keep it close to your body, swipe past yeah. your body and end up on your shoulders or above your head. So yeah. there's a certain path that bar is meant to stay in for efficiency of a lift and safety. But when the body starts changing and not just center of gravity, but that position of the belly, um, what should you do? Like, should we, cause you see there's two camps. There's women that just go, I'll just change my bar path and it just starts to come out in front and I'll yeah. fix it after I have the baby. Yeah. Or there's people that go, that's not really healthy. I'll do everything dumbbells. So what do you do? Yeah. And I definitely prefer when the belly starts to get in the way of the bar path, instead of them altering their technique and potentially picking up things we're going to have to change later mm. that we move to a different, a different movement. So we use, 
just pick the same movement pattern. So if we're looking at a hip hinge, we'll use like a kettlebell swing or, you know, like um, kettlebell deadlift, something like that, that the belly's not going to get in the way of and there's no risk of us hitting the tummy. Yeah. And look, this is, we had the conversation, I guess, before I kind of started recording this was about the average normal athlete compared to elite athletes. And what we're talking about today, I mean, it applies to everybody, but elite athletes is a different camp, just like elite athletes, I think in any other sport, soccer, you know, triathlons, netball, everything, um, because they generally, you know, often it's their focus and priorities are different and they may be paid. Mm -hmm. It might be part of their Mm -hmm. job. Um, I'm assuming if somebody is, say, a games athlete and they're pregnant and they plan on returning to that high-level competition, that their view on what they do with the bar may change or modifications that they do in that respect would change, I assume? Yeah, and I think when it's their living, it's their job to be good at that stuff. If Mm. it's general population... They're just in there to get some get some movement happening. So I just don't think it mat. You know, we shouldn't be hanging on to that stuff if there's any kind of risk at all. Yeah, I think it's just harder in the, this um, idea with a barbell and pregnancy because we have no research on this. Yeah. I mean, how you run during pregnancy, yes, it changes, but your gait and stride you can pretty much keep the same when you get mm-hmm. pregnant. Whereas mm-hmm. the fact that you're using this external load that is meant to follow a certain path, but now your body's in the way, yeah. um, that you do have to change it. But yeah, I'm just, um, yeah, it'd be, it's a little bit tricky. <laughs> and it's always tricky and uncomfortable when we, you know, we don't have evidence to say what we should or shouldn't do. Absolutely. And I guess just opening it up to the athlete as well and having that conversation with them. And most of them, everyone that I've trained has been more than happy to change the movement. They, yeah. It doesn't bother them at all. Yeah. What about, again, coming still kind of, you know, mid to end second trimester with things that you're hanging from the bar, but you go into mm-hmm. almost like full extension of your mm. body. So, you know, things where, so they do a lot of pull-ups, but they might do kipping or toes yeah. to bar, but you also have that full extension or I'm trying to think too, like ring muscle-ups, which yeah. I can't do yet, but I'm close. <laughs> Um, but where you have that kind of eccentric stretch mm-hmm. and load to the tummy muscles, but then that forceful contraction and closure, yeah. what, when do you start modifying that? Yeah, again, we have no no research. Mm. So I think I, again, will always talk to the person involved. And again, risk versus reward. Do we need to still hang on to keeping? Like, is that something that we absolutely need? Or can we easily change that to something else? So I'll often still get them hanging from a bar, but maybe doing strict knee raises to a reduced range. Um, But obviously, if they start doming with any of that, we take them, we take them off. So doming is where like, your tummy should be relatively nice and tight and round, even if you're tummy is smaller or larger Um, and when you do things that use your tummy muscles it should stay in that relative shape it shouldn't kind of create that Toblerone effect which we tend to call Mm -hmm. coning and then the doming is more like the bulging outwards of the belly so two things to look out for Um, if they're doing that I just take them off yeah actually one thing that we didn't talk about yet is um, Mm. GHD sit-ups so 
I have been anti-GHT sit-ups for so long and mainly because when I first started, I'm like, it's a hamstring machine, by the way, yeah. you are sitting on it <laughs> the wrong way. It? <laughs> it's making loud clunky noises <laughs> and you're bending backwards over it really fast. That's weird. Um, mm -hmm. But over time, you know, sometimes I now see on the other kind of more intermediate advanced skill work with muscle ups and all that stuff I'm like oh that's why you're doing it there is okay. a reason it's not just to be cool and different yeah um but I do find like you can see with a lot of the mums at the gym um how much kind of strain and pull even if they don't have like you wouldn't know that they have a diastasis they probably don't know they yeah. have a diastasis because yeah. we know a lot of people will have it and they're functional and they're okay but when they do ghd sit-ups you're like oh yeah, yeah you're kind of losing it there but that's a really hard position to control yeah. um so do you do you have any women who are were doing them before pregnancy and then what do you tell them Oh, I don't, we don't use it a whole lot, to be honest, maybe with, um, the more kind of, like you said, intermediate advanced mm. athlete. But again, if they are postnatal and they haven't done any rehab work before that, mm. and they're wanting to get back onto the GHG, heaps yeah. of education about why that force is going to be quite large and what we can yeah. do to build up to it if they need to get back to it. Yeah. I've yet to see somebody pregnant on social media no. doing GHD, but I don't doubt there's people doing it and just I'm not sure putting it, is. just not putting it out there. But there actually is some good, there's some good pictures of some people who were doing ring muscle ups and you could see kind of the doming or the coning yep. when they were doing it. So it's, and I mean, it's, you can't see that yourself. It's really hard. And at least in our gym and most of the gyms that I have been to, nobody has mirrors. So you can't even, you don't even know. No. What so you have to record yourself, which is probably why there's so many videos out there. Um, <laughs> I record myself often so I can review it. I just don't post it on social media every day mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't need to, <laughs> I don't <Right>. want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what about, so yeah, any other kind of, um, like how do you so with say um pull-ups how do you change your pull-ups so with the hanging knee raises as well or yeah um we will scale to a band uh yeah. but then we will change it to ring rows so that's where you're kind of like yeah. horizontal to the ground with rings and kind of rowing up towards your yeah. um towards your boobs which um, is really hard by the they're, way they're, they're under, under underutilized i think um Again, I, I like to keep them with pull-ups for as long as possible, but the minute yeah. they start croning and doming, I just take them away. Do you use bands? What was that? Sorry. Do you use bands? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. And if they start to feel uncomfortable with like the single skipping, what do you mm -hmm. then generally switch out or change or modify for that? I will change it to usually um, bike calories. Ugh. There's also uh, a relatively good amount of gymnastic skill, which is kind of what made me really excited because I came from a, a background of gymnastics. Mm -hmm. So I love, you know, gaining back some skills that I used to have, but also trying to do things that only the boys ever did, like rings. We never did them. Yeah. Um, like so handstands is one of my favorites, but with regards to pregnancy, like we didn't talk about them in first trimester, but if first, second trimester handstand walks or handstand push-ups, 
what are you what are your thoughts on that yeah another another controversial one um again we don't have any research we don't know if it's bad um we don't really know anything about it so if it's I do remember we had someone probably a year ago who was a gymnast and she could handstand walk better than most of us can walk on our feet and she was still handstand walking during pregnancy and she Mm. felt totally fine and there was no risk of her falling yeah um but I think that's something else we need to consider if they're going to come down at that handstand and fall and potentially land on their tummy not a great idea but again I'm just like you can, but should you? Should we yeah. just be changing that to something else? Yeah. Um, and I probably definitely err on the side of caution. Yeah, with- so handstand push-ups you can change to just pressing above your head, really. Yeah, so like dumbbell strict press. Yeah, absolutely. Which when I was teaching pregnancy Pilates like 10 years ago, I remember people coming and saying, I'm not allowed to do exercise with my arms above my head. I read that you shouldn't lift weights with your arms above your head because of, yeah. I think it was, was it blood pressure or yeah, I remember something? Someone. Now, I'm assuming that, you know, has kind of maybe not been disproven, but we know that that's okay to do. Yeah, and there's nothing in the most recent guidelines about lifting overhead. So I no. think that that's totally fine. Well, before we get into third trimester, was there anything, like the if I remember, if I recall from the recent guidelines, the main mm-hmm. um, thing with regards to load and weight was breath holding. Yes. So now you had mentioned that generally you're trying at least first trimester not to go above 70% of your one rep max in your Mm -hmm. lifts. And we know that from a breath holding perspective, often greater than 75 to 80% of your one rep max, your body really needs to hold your breath in order Mm -hmm. to lift that weight. However, at lower at lower percentages of your one rep max within a workout, when you're getting tired and fatigued, your body will often try to hold your breath. So what do you teach women with regard to kind of breathing throughout pregnancy and more so kind of the weight rather than the Metcons? Yeah, I guess I will just always try and keep them below that threshold. And again, I think most of them, unless they're elite athletes, are self-limiting to that level anyway so I haven't had too much trouble but yes we definitely know Valsalva is something that's come up um, a little bit in the research Uh, I don't know I think it's from a again it's from a blood pressure point of view for the mom and I think like what we didn't talk about right at the beginning when I was saying like is it safe um, Mm. safer mother or safer baby we're generally Mm -hmm. talking about the mom because we know that physical activity and all of this is safe for the baby except for again if you fall on to your belly then that's kind of where that risk comes and I guess with um, with blood pressure if you if they're worried that you're gonna limit your blood pressure and then pass out and then fall down onto your tummy as well yeah yes Uh, yeah and again I find that most women at that point, obviously getting a little larger, they're tired, yeah. it's hot. Um, that hasn't been an issue at all. People wanting to push too hard. Yeah. So as long as they can hold a conversation again, going back to the, um, yeah. the Borg scale, I'm pretty happy for them to work at that level. Yeah. Um, what about squat depth? So if we think of mm-hmm. kind of getting now into the third trimester, uh, I think this is, I've seen, uh, not, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't aware when I started it, um, what a full squat was. <laughs> How low you go in a full squat. And I'm mobile, so I'm more than comfortable hanging out at a campfire sitting in that position. Mm -hmm. And I've struggled for years with actually trying to stay active at the bottom of a squat because I like to just let go and do a little bounce at the bottom. Um, So anything specific to pregnancy that we need to think about with regards to depth of squat? 
Yeah, I think if we consider the pelvic floor here, obviously in the third trimester, you're getting bigger, um, particularly towards the end, bub is starting to sit a little lower and the pressure that that then exerts on the pelvic floor. We will often scale our ladies to box squats. So where they still get to do a squat, but it's at a controlled depth and they physically sit down the box and then stand back up. So there's no risk of them kind of collapsing into the bottom. Um, But I do still use air squats and goblet squats quite a lot to full depth if they feel okay in those positions and if their squat mechanics are good. So air squats is really just squats without weight. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, And goblet squats are with like a little kettlebell, but just holding them on your chest. Exactly. Yeah. But again, yes, I remember, yes, going to CrossFit and thinking, okay, I can get into that squat. But I remember thinking it was a really bad thing to do because of your pelvic floor, because that's how we're meant to empty our bowels. You know, if we lived in the forest and when we have a squatty potty, but getting that concept, it's taking me years to realize that, A, we need that to keep that mobility, because just watching little kids you know yeah. get into that position play with a toy and come back uh-huh. up and you're like oh yeah our bodies are, are actually meant to do that uh, but also realizing that when you use that within a workout within a metcon with load that you are meant to stay active yeah. and it's not yeah and I think this is where physios who are treating um crossfitters need to understand the ranges of motion motion sorry that we need to pass through in crossfit and that they need to maintain that mobility again because yeah. of the sport but yeah. because they're doing it all the time you're emptying the dishwasher you're squatting down to play with the kids you need to maintain that mobility so mm-hmm. as long as their squat mechanics are good i'm happy for them to continue yeah and then also comes kind of the idea that a lot of women want to deliver in a squat position yeah uh, because of the help with pressure and the opening to the pelvic floor again it is that good position for opening things up if you are letting go and relaxing and being passive um and yeah i think if you take that away then women who want to deliver in that position they're kind of they get they lose that yeah they do absolutely yeah um what about intensity in third trimester do you find it still self-limiting yeah definitely they're getting pretty heavy by this point and they're tired um and again using the talk test and but because we've taken not taken away but because we've modified so much of the movement uh they can't push themselves to that same level I don't think like their um their movement has been restricted a little bit so I definitely find that all of those factors help them control their intensity yeah and what do you like if I because I've seen some women say we'll be comfortable with box jumps first trimester even second Mm -hmm. trimester and once they get into Mm -hmm. third trimester are there specific ways you tend to modify box jumps if they're again they're having to use power to get off the ground but they're so much heavier and their center of gravity is different yeah so uh if they've got no pelvic girdle pain i will get them to do step ups Um, and if that is annoying we'll come up with something else so we'll sub it out for something completely different so we might use squats but we might sub it out for again bite calories or something that's not going to irritate whatever that's going on with them and at this point in the third trimester they definitely have a belly. So generally the barbell stuff other yep. than, I guess deadlifts would still be fine because they're still and able we use to get into that position. Um, usually for those when they start to get a little bit too big, What's that? Um, we use like sumo stance deadlifts. Yep. 
Yeah. So that's or just wider legs. Wider legs, exactly. As long yeah. as they feel comfortable in that position, we may modify their range to so like put them up on um, boxes so they're not pulling all the way from the floor. Just little things like that that allow them to keep moving again because it's important. They need to be able to lift stuff up and put it back down mm-hmm. again safely. Um, but yeah, we just play around with what works for them yeah. based on what they're feeling. I find or maybe I just don't notice, there's not a lot of rotation. There isn't. CrossFit has no, almost no rotation. No okay. rotation actually. So is this where like it comes in with the accessory stuff? Yeah. And I guess mobility, if we're doing mobility stuff at the beginning or yeah. the end of class, trying to add some in there for them if they're getting a little stiff. Yeah. And doing single arm, I guess, dumbbell or yes. things yep. like that as well. Mm-hmm. Anything else you find in the third trimester? So think now kind of end of third trimester, say they're going to be due in like – you know, four weeks and then kind of counting. Is there anything that you tend to kind of concentrate on or change? Or is there a time that you tell people that maybe they need to stop coming? No, we've had ladies train um, up until they don't feel comfortable doing so anymore. So I think most of them, I think we've just had one finish up at about 35 weeks and another one just about to finish and she's at 36. So they've trained pretty comfortably up until now with all of those modifications um but they just get tired and it just doesn't feel good anymore and that's fine as long as they're still keeping active in other ways they're going to yoga or they're walking or they're swimming I'm pretty happy for them to let us know when they've had enough have you had anybody train right up until the day they delivered no I haven't I think um just trying to think I think the owner of the gym went up until maybe 38 weeks, but again, yeah. she was just getting too uncomfortable towards the end. Yeah, I've had some patients who, um, yeah, just felt really good. And I don't, again, think they realized they were about to yeah. deliver. Um, but yeah, they just felt good and, and would just get in and move around, but generally slower. Yeah. Your, yeah. you know, the way that your ability to huff and puff and breathe, um, you know, wall squats, holding wall squats is mm-hmm. like, you know, a 20 minute workout if you hold yeah. for five seconds. So it can That's be really where, hard. Exactly. And these, um, these women's bodies are already working so hard because of what's going on. So I think that's why I keep saying it's self-limiting because they're already, their heart rate's already high just normally. Um, they're already a little bit hotter than they are normally. So that's going to be enough for most people to slow them down. I think the only exception is athletes who can push through that stuff because that's what they do. They need to be settled down. And there's some really good guidelines about that with heart rate regulation. Hmm. Um, But apart from that, I find the general population, most of them are really sensible and they will let you know when something doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, So I think that pretty much covers it with respect to, like I said, specifics during pregnancy and exercise. Um, And like you said at the beginning, it's, you know, you can scale and modify and change everything that, you know, you're working on trying to, for some patients, change their view about their priority and focus. But I think Mm -hmm. as health professionals, we also need to work on our own views about what kind of activities that people are involved in, what they really like doing and how we can work with the coaches to play around um, and change that. So other than the, uh, you said the CrossFit headquarters, which will include the notes that have some information for if people are listening and they're either participating in it and they don't have as 
much support as maybe they should have or for people who are working with patients that are involved in it and they don't know enough is crossfit headquarters the best place to go to find that yeah if you just want general info about the movements um Mm. and uh, the standards, I suppose, and what they require, definitely just Google it. They've got so many good YouTube yeah. videos as well. But there's also some really cool stuff on social media. Um, yeah. Yeah. So just off the top of my head, uh, I think it's She Nashville um, yeah. has some really cool scaling options. So if you've got an athlete and you just have no idea how to keep them moving, go and have a look at her page. She's got amazing videos on there. That I've used April Wheeler, and she's been on the podcast. She's done an yeah. episode before. Yep. One thing that we didn't mention was pelvic floor exercises. So we talked yeah. about like the, you know, um, possible pressure onto the pelvic floor and kind of, you know, how we can modify things. So I'll try to integrate pelvic floor into what exercises they're doing. Mm-hmm. But if they're not used to doing that, it's a lot of coordination to yeah. work on and it yeah. really slows you down, which again, yeah. you need. Um, so I'll get them to say, pick an accessory exercise first, yeah. like glute bridges which you're not staying upside down the whole time so it's mm-hmm. generally fine um and learning to coordinate it with breath and movement with something small and easy and then picking another exercise in the gym and trying to kind of coordinate it with that exercise and just either just picking one exercise in a workout to focus on or when they get used to it maybe picking two exercises but I'm really big on teaching balance so making sure people know how to create tension when they need to but let yes. it go as well um, and uh, the gym that I'm at Matt Swift is um, the kind of you know the owner of the gym with his wife Wendy he's also you know a CrossFit Games athlete that I think won Masters division or yeah, his, yeah, yes yeah. and has also come second anyway he's got a pretty brilliant brain and he was having a good conversation with us uh, the other day about tension and when you need to create tension you know in certain areas or on a global perspective but also when you need to let that go and I think it applies to pelvic floor really well if we're teaching women to create tension in through their pelvic floor for an exercise or for a movement. It's also trying to get them to have that awareness of how to let go and when to let go, like maybe not right in the middle of the exercise when you need it, but when you go to change activities, you're about to go change a different one where I think he was, I am like, I suck at keeping abdominal tension. So he was trying to teach me in a kettlebell swing when I needed it and when I didn't because I was doing the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so no, that's I, I, I still attempt to bring it in um, even if they don't have problems, but I'm not in the gym coaching them. So it's easy mm-hmm. enough for me to say, try to do this. Whereas when you're a coach and you're in the gym with them plus a whole bunch of other people, I think it would be... Yeah, really hard to then be like, okay, are you doing it here? Are you doing it for this exercise? Are you doing it for, yes. for and that's this why one? I prefer them to see someone specifically yeah. about that because you might have 15 women who all have pelvic floor issues and you yeah. can't micromanage all of that within a class and keep everyone happy. So yeah. um, I do much prefer them to go and see someone and get all that information and then bring that back into class themselves. Yeah, Obviously, and- we remind them, um, but yeah, I really like them to do that. Yeah. Um, So is there anything specific that you wanted to mention with regards to pregnancy and CrossFit? I don't think so. I think um, I just really would love to see more information getting out there about how important exercise is in pregnancy. And it doesn't matter what it is as long as it's following the guidelines. So the, the most recent ones are off the top of my head, 150 minutes 
a week, um, two of those sessions should be focused on strength. So CrossFit fits that really well, but so do many other things. And I just think it's really important that we get women moving more during Mm. pregnancy. And that's moderate intensity. So we're not even like, and that the recommendation is moderate intensity. The recommendation, I think a lot of the times, obviously people are doing nothing. Anything walking is better than nothing. But moderate intensity is not just having a stroll or doing like a really easy Pilates or a yoga stretching class. And I think Mm -hmm. people forget that when they time up their 150 minutes or they talk to their patients about physical activity, it really, that intensity part needs to come into it, which is again where I find that um, CrossFit fits in really well. But how do you, like, because sometimes the workouts are only seven minutes. So Mm -hmm. is it only seven minutes that you've done, even though you've been there for an hour? (laughs) I feel like we do so much stuff before yeah. that, that you're still getting still sweaty, counts. you're still yeah. getting your heart rate up. So the yeah. warm up may be 20 minutes, but the actual yeah. workout seven minutes. So I still think you can count it. Um, I get huffed and puffed through the warm up. Yeah. So really. <laughs> um, so I just, I just really hope that that, and I know the generations probably before us didn't understand the importance of exercise in pregnancy but I just really hope that moving forward that people start to use it a little bit more. I just find that those women who do exercise, they are so much better afterwards. Mm. Their recovery is so much better. Their their mental state is better. Their pelvic girdle pain I found is even better if they're stronger mm. going into it. So I just really hope that um, as health professionals, we can start spreading that message a little bit more. Yeah. And look, I think the stronger that people are going into pregnancy, yeah. um, the better, like the, the easier it is to keep your fitness or get it back. Whereas when people don't do anything and then five years after children finally have time, but also realize yeah. they need to focus on themselves, trying to start getting that when you're in your thirties is really oh, hard. So I think, yeah. you know, I attempt to, I attempt to motivate people to find what they love to do. I try not to be biased because I do think even though CrossFit is, you can um, scale it and modify it. Again, you don't, sometimes I don't know where, who the coaches are um, and say they've got, you know, some pelvic, you know, trauma from a birth, Mm -hmm. trying to guide them through it, even though I think it could be a great idea. I'm like, "Mm, unless you come to where, I'm at because I trust all the people that are there, then maybe it's not a great kind of exercise choice for them only because of that limitation with the coaches. Definitely. And that's, I think it's, um, I think physios show yourself in a box, show your face, get to know the coaches, do a couple of classes. If you've got something in your area and you seem to be getting a lot of patients from there, I think their coaches are probably terrified of a physio coming in because of all the things that we're going to say to them. But I can guarantee you're going to learn so much from from the way that they coach and the movements they teach you as well. So I just have so many other physios asking me how they can get more involved in it. And you just need to go. You need to go and do a workout. Yeah, go see Candice. <laughs> come visit my gym. Um, so Candice is going to come back and talk about similar things that we did today, but modifications for after you've had the baby within that kind of first year um, postpartum. So um, thanks for your time today, and we will chat again. I'll talk to you soon.